The following program is recorded content created by The Truth Network. For years, friends, we've told you that there would be a pushback against the cultural craziness. The good news is that parents are leading the way. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Are you ready to be infused with faith and truth and courage. Are ready to be built up, strengthened, and challenged. That's exactly what we're here to do. Michael Brown, your voice of moral sanity and spiritual clarity. Welcome to The Line of Fire. Here's the number to call, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. Now, hang on for one moment. I'm going to tell you what to do with that number in a moment. But first, let me tell you where we're going with today's show. I, I want to talk to you about something very, very important that is happening in our culture right now. And parents in particular, along with their children, can help lead the way in this. This is a critical moment, a crucial moment. It is time for a holy moral pushback, and you can be part of it. A lot of times we think, what can I do? I only have so much power influence. If we will be faithful in the sphere that God has given us, be it little or large, we can make a lasting difference together. But that's not the entire broadcast. I'm also going to take your calls on a wide range of subjects. Uh, God willing, tomorrow night after radio, flying up to Maryland to be with our family there, spend some special time with a couple of special things happening with our grandkids. And I am going to pre-record the Friday show. I've got a, a bunch of questions that have been sent in on social media, fascinating questions. It's going to be a really excellent Friday show, but I won't be taking calls because I've got a long list of questions I'm going to answer, really fascinating, excellent Bible questions that we're going to cover on Friday. So you don't want to miss the broadcast, but because I won't be taking calls on Friday, I'm opening the phones to all subjects today, a wide range of subjects. So any question you want to ask me, like you'd normally call in on a Friday, with a question about Bible theology or spiritual growth or something else going on you need counsel, wisdom, input on, or you want to differ with me on some point, 866-348-7884. So a little later in the broadcast, we're going to switch gears and tackle a wide range of subjects. Okay, some bad news, but some good news, some very good news. Here's the bad news. Our culture really is in a crisis right now. You don't need to be some spiritual rocket scientist to see it. You don't need to be some prophet to see it. I mean, we are really in a cultural crisis. Yeah, the economy's having problems. Yes, we're struggling with COVID. But I'm talking about things much deeper than that. We are really in a moral, spiritual, and cultural crisis in America. I don't think I need to list all the reasons why. Interestingly, earlier this year, a poll came out indicating that a disproportionate number of, of young people that would be in called Gen Z, suddenly this jump in how many of them identify as bisexual. Now George Barna has done a poll, Newsweek has alluded to it, 
where the number of millennials and Gen Z who identify as LGBT is just off the charts, 30%, 40%. All right? Now, there's no one under the sun. You're going to convince me that suddenly people are just all of millions and millions being born gay. I mean, gay activists for years pushed to the number 10%, but they always knew that number was inflated. I mean, they'd come out and say it, but it's a good number to use. It's very powerful. And poll after poll after poll after poll has indicated that you might have a total of 3% of the population actually living as LGBT. But now, because it's what you perceive and you feel and the cultural brainwashing and so on, that, that you've got this massive cultural shift, and it just shows what can happen. Look, if, if you grow up in a certain country, you're going to believe that culture, the way you're raised, is normal. You, up, you grow up in a racist household, you're going to think that's normal. You grow up in a household that eats only rice or eats only pasta or listens to classical music or listens to rap music. You, you get exposed to certain things. That becomes normal to you. Some are neutral, some are good, some are bad. It's no surprise to me that with the cultural brainwashing, with everything being relative, relative morality, relative truth, now relative reality, you are whatever you perceive yourself to be, with kids like Jazz Jennings from We Pray becoming like celebrities, superstars, super influential teens, and, and so on, of course, younger people growing up are going to, excuse me, going to be negatively influenced. And of course, they're going to question this and experiment with it. It, it is fully to be expected. The bad news is that we are in a cultural crisis in many, many ways. I just mentioned one example. The good news is that for many years, many of us have told you this is where things are going. You say, well, why is that good news? Because we've also told you that there's going to be a pushback. We've also told you this is not the end of the story. This is not one of these cases where I, I say, I hate to, t to say I told you so. I'm glad to say I told you so. Because the same God that, that laid on my heart to, that the culture is going in this direction, that we need to be alert, that we need to reach out to the people with compassion but resist the agenda with courage, the same God that gave me the insight into that, and I got that insight from others as well that had the insights before I did, the same God that helped us to see these things, it's the same God that put in my heart this confidence that there's going to be a holy pushback, that people are going to say enough is enough, and that they're going to begin to turn to God and, and turn to righteousness and embrace morality and embrace the real meaning of marriage and family as God intended. All right, so in that light, I want to talk to you about some of the pushback. Loudoun County, Virginia, has been the center of a lot of controversy in recent months because of their radical transgender bathroom policies and other, quote, enlightened policies. And there has been parental outrage, one father in particular, months back when he confronted the school board after his daughter was raped, teenage daughter was raped in the girl's room, in the girl's bathroom, by a boy wearing a dress. So this sexual predator, we pray for his repentance and salvation, this sexual predator, with other offenses as well, it turns out, uses the, the ridiculous idea that if you identify as a girl, you can use the girl's bathroom, exploits that, okay? 
as a heterosexual predator, goes in there and rapes his daughter. And, and when he brings it up, the father brings it up at the school board, the school board denies any knowledge of any such event taking place, which was a blatant denial of reality. They knew the facts, covered them up. Oh, did it forget? Uh, unlikely. You'll see that in a moment. Okay. The father goes, to, and then a mother there or a woman there, well, I don't believe your daughter. I don't believe you. So he goes crazy, gets carried out. So he overreacts. So he gets out of control. Understandably, not justifiably, but understandably. And then as a result of this, oh, now we need to bring in the attorney general. And yes, we need to call the FBI. Look at these parents as domestic terrorists. I, I wrote about that article when parents became the enemy. So President Obama is in Virginia, former President Obama. He's in Virginia campaigning for former governor and now gubernatorial candidate Terry McAuliffe, who's running against Glenn Youngkin. So Terry McAuliffe, the Democrat. And, and listen to what President Obama said. And, and parents are really, really upset over this. Here we are trying to recover from a global pandemic that has killed more than 700,000 Americans. That shut down thousands of small businesses and, and put millions out of work. We don't have time to be wasting on these phony, trumped-up culture wars. This fake outrage that, that right-wing media's pedals to juice their ratings. What? What? Phony, trumped-up culture wars? What? Fake outrage? Was this just being juiced up by right-wing media? Mr. Obama, I, I deeply differed with many of your policies when you were president. But one thing I always appreciated was your love for your family, was your evident devotion to your wife and your daughters. And, and I felt that you were very protective of your family, especially with all the, the spotlight on them, that, that you wanted your kids to have a good, healthy upbringing you seem like a devoted dad to me. I've never questioned that to this moment. What was that? What was it? it was your daughter that was raped because of a ridiculous transgender policy. What if it was your daughter that was raped and then the school board, with full knowledge of it, denied it? <clears throat> Would that be fake outrage, sir? God help us. Mr. Obama also said this. Instead of stoking anger aimed at school boards and administrators who were just trying to keep our kids safe, we should be making it easier for teachers and schools to give our kids the world-class education they deserve and to do so safely while they are in the classroom. Oh, so this is about keeping kids safe? The, the, the whole transgender policy is about keeping kids safe? If kids are struggling with their identity and, and, and really struggling with feeling they're, they're in the wrong body and they feel in the wrong, uh, wrong bathroom, okay, then have a private bathroom they can use. Let teachers say, okay, we believe in this so much, then, then they can use our private bathroom, whatever. It's not making kids safe to say if a boy identifies as a girl just based on that identification, he can use the girl's bathroom. How in the world is that possibly working to keep kids safe? <clears throat> Terry McAuliffe also feels that parents are overreaching. And in a gubernatorial debate, so you'll hear some back and forth, Terry McAuliffe had this to say. Veto books, Glenn, not to be knowledge about it, also take them off the shelves. And I'm not going to let parents come into schools and actually you take books out and make their own decisions. You vetoed it. So 
to yeah, I, parents. You stop the it. bill that I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. But, you know, Not I get really tired. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? Parents should not be telling schools what they should teach their children? Who, who appointed the state to have the say and the parents have no say? Who appointed the school board to ultimately decide what's best for the children and the parents should be telling the schools what their children should be taught? Uh, what kind of madness is this, friends? There's no fake outrage. This is, this is people, parents, even students saying enough is enough. Enough is enough. The pushback is continuing, friends. If we do it the right way and if we put gospel first, we'll see cultural change. We'll be right back. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on The Line of Fire. I'm going to go to your calls a little while, 866-348-7884. Question for you, have you visited Vitamin Mission? Have you? Yeah, I, I think of it every day because every day I'm taking Stengler health supplements, immune wellness, take Joint Plus, some, some others. And uh, they've, they've been a real blessing uh, because I get my blood work done with Dr. Stengler every year. We do like 11 to 14 vials of blood. Yeah, it's a lot. And then I get like a 30, 35 page uh, printout of, of every, I mean, every imaginable thing of the blood here and here. And sometimes I say, okay, we need to balance this out a little bit. Let's do this supplement. And then next year we take it or a few months later and boom, the thing's balanced out. So I highly recommend them. You are blessed with a discount because Dr. Stengler wants to be generous to you. And then with every order, a donation is made to our ministry. So everyone comes out well with it. Check out vitaminmission.com. Share it with your friends. Don't, don't keep it to yourself. Family, friends, if you're a pastor, tell your church. We, we all benefit from it. All right. 866-34-TRUTH. So look, <laughs> The idea that when parents are outraged over radical school policies or where everything now becomes a race issue, where rather than teaching children to read and to write and to do math and to have a healthy understanding of, of history, America's strong points, America's weak points, to face things honestly, are all the beauty of America, the wonder of America, the amazing growth of America – the exceptionalism of America, to, to learn all that and then to learn about all of our warts and blemishes and sins and, and, and our history with the Native Americans and our history with African Americans and slavery and up through segregation. and to, Yeah, the, tell the whole story. But when everything now is a matter of race, when white students are, are, are now taught to feel guilty simply because they're white, it's white privilege, that, that's not helpful we segregate students in a school and this is supposedly helping with, with unity. This is not helpful. And parents have every right to say, I, I didn't send my kid to school for that. We're, we're not paying all the tax money we are to support the school system for that. Or some radical sex ed thing where they're watching the equivalent of, of porn. And I'd say more, but I'm not going to because we get lots of folks listening that are younger. 
look, there are things, things that would be embarrassing for adults to talk about. You got kids sometimes in middle school learning them inappropriately. I'm not talking about a healthy understanding of sexuality and, and, and things like that, which of course should, should come through the home. But of course, parents have the right to, to stand up and speak out. It's not fake outrage. Uh, let, me, let me read something to you. One, one father in Virginia said this. That's the most, uh, about what President, former President Obama said. That's the most tone-deaf statement I've ever heard. First and foremost, everything that has come up with the cover-up in Loudoun County has to do with the sexual assault on girls. To say that this is trumped up as a political thing is laughable. So this week, this, this past Tuesday, so just yesterday, as many as 2,500 students, could be, could be more, these just estimates I read, walked out of classes because of, of not just one sexual assault, but several, and find out these things have been covered up in schools. And, and Lowndes County is not just some backwoods. I mean, this is, you've, you've got highly educated and wealthy people there and all of this, and they're, they're saying enough is enough, as people would in backwoods as, as well. So, so look at this. Scott Ziegler, superintendent for Loudoun County Public Schools, May 28th, 2021. He sent out a confidential letter to the school board, May 28th, 2021. Okay? The purpose of this email is to provide you with information regarding an incident that occurred at Stonebridge High School this afternoon. A female student alleged that a male student sexually assaulted her in the restroom. Okay, May 28th. So, barely three weeks later, slightly over three weeks later, June 22nd, at a school board meeting, Scott Smith, the girl's father, the girl's father, okay? The, the father of that girl that was sexually assaulted in that high school to the point that superintendent of school sent out that confidential note to the school board barely three weeks earlier, all right? Mr. Ziegler responded, quote, we don't have any records of assaults occurring in our restrooms. Now he's saying, well, he misunderstood the <laughs> The father went crazy over this. Again, he overreacted. But can you understand? His, his own daughter gets raped. It's a fact. It is a fact. His own daughter gets raped. Scott Ziegler, the superintendent of schools, knows about it. This is why parents are saying this is crazy. Enough is enough. You had to just, just to, to preserve your policy, to preserve your sacred transgender policy, you had to do this? <clears throat> Three weeks earlier, he says there's been this report. The father says this happened. He denies it. Scott says, to his knowledge, there's no record of assaults. Well, there are other assaults as well that apparently got covered up. <clears throat> so this is bad news in that you've got this girl traumatized. And by the way, the boy's convicted. He's found guilty. Has been sentenced yet because he was just sent over to another high school instead of the whole thing coming out, and, and he assaulted somebody there, allegedly. So they're waiting for that case, and then he'll be sentenced. And may God bring this young man to repentance. But you've got kids scarred by this. You've got parents outraged. And you've got these school boards that are, that are out of touch with what is best for the kids and out of touch with reality. Look, we're not talking about some redneck coming in with a gun, some white supremacist redneck saying, kill all the Asians and kill all the blacks and I don't want them in my school. No, we're not talking about some madman like that. 
Talking about parents who say, what's happened to the schools? What kind of madness is this? Friends, this is why we've been sounding the alarm for so many years. This is why we've been saying we must have revival, renewal in the church so that the church can impact the culture. Otherwise, the culture is just going to go off a cliff. Here, so listen to one parent now in Loudoun County speaking at the school board and directly addressing Scott Sigler. I'm a Loudoun parent with kids in this school system, and I'm here to expose further cover-ups, which just keep adding up. Pay attention, media. There's word now of yet another high school predator that's been transferred from Dominion to Woodgrove after he attacked a teacher. We have daughters at Woodgrove. There's also word of a Freedom High School teacher who's been transferred to Belmont Ridge three weeks ago after sexual impropriety with a student. It's been learned five years ago. There was yet another sexual assault on a freshman girl at Tuscarora High School, which some on this board covered up. Scott, why are you so close to the Commonwealth Attorney? It seems like our kids are being used as pawns in some social reform game. Scott, why did you have a private, non-foyable meeting with the Commonwealth Attorney on October 15th at that fundraiser that you and I both attended? We witnessed it. Why am I still waiting on the page that was missing from the FOIA results on how you plan to spend the 11 tied to your masking and testing mandates. Resign tonight, all of you, and end the mockery you've all brought in this great county. Yeah. So you think Loudoun County right now, there's a lot of shame just involved with the name. And as this gentleman spoke, I assume it's his wife standing next to him holding up a sign, we will not be silenced. Friends, my book that comes out next March, The Silencing of the Lambs, is this very thing. We will not be silenced. We will not be silenced. And my book that just came out last week, Revival or We Die, is the cry for us to so be renewed in God, restored to our first love, so passionate for him, so passionate for our neighbor, that as the, the, the fire burns in us, it'll start to burn in a holy way to touch those around us and make a difference. It has to happen, friends. Again, it, it's, it's bad that it's gone this far. It's bad that so many young people have been culturally brainwashed and hurt. It's very, very bad. And if you don't think young people can be brainwashed, just remember, if, if you go to North Korea and talk to young people there, they really believe in the divine status of their dear leader, okay? Uh, when I was talking to a colleague I referenced yesterday uh, from, from China, most of his adult life in China, uh, he was saying that all you have to do to get Chinese just united and angry is just reference Taiwan. Like Taiwan, oh, they're all angry. In, in other words, there is a, a deep sense of, 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 of Chinese patriotism and loyalty that can be appealed to. And he was saying that, that up through university, kids can be in school six and a half days a week. Of course, they're going to get brainwashed in certain ways that are unhealthy and negative. And look, we want to, quote, brainwash our kids in a healthy way, right? In other words, we, we want to teach them biblical values. We want to teach them to love God and love their neighbor. We want to teach them about morality and purity. We want to teach them about a good work ethic and discipline. And so we have certain values that we believe are important that we want to pour into our kids. And, and they are the ones that are going to be much more pliable, much more like clay. What kind of example do we set in the home? How, how do we live as, as singles? How, how do we live? How do we conduct ourselves? What kind of example do we set? So this is the world in which we live, friends. The culture wars are intensifying. It's up to the church to lead the way not by imposing Christianity on the nation, not by thinking that we need a theocracy, but by setting a godly example, by, by overcoming evil with good, 
by doing good works that, that cannot be denied or, or downplayed, by shining light in dark places, by bringing a message that convicts sinners so that they, they come fleeing to the cross to be saved, by making people into real disciples, by praying for the Holy Spirit to move. That's how change will come. And then upstream from there is culture and upstream from there is politics. These things will have their flow as we stay involved righteously and do what's right. Hey, friends, if you've read Revival or We Die, would you do me a favor? Share it on social media. Tell your friends about it if you enjoyed the book. And then post a review on Amazon. Let folks know that the book blessed you because I believe it's an urgent message for this moment. And I'd like to encourage you to help us get the message out. So would you do that? Take a picture of the book, share it on social media if it blessed you, and then go to Amazon.com and post a review or revival or redial. Even if it's short, let others know the book blessed you. We come back, literally, we're going straight to the phones, literally. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, friends, to The Line of Fire broadcast. Okay, all phone lines are wide open. Well, I don't mean that every line is open, but the phones are wide open to any call on any subject. Our Friday show, I'm pre-recording. In fact, right after this show, I'm going to do that with a bunch of really fascinating questions I solicited last night on Twitter and Facebook. So I won't be taking calls on Friday, but you don't want to miss it because I, I, I know the questions already we're going to answer and they are fascinating and wide ranging. But because I won't be taking your calls on Friday, I want to open up the phone lines today. So any question on any topic that relates in any way to anything we ever talk about on the line of fire, let's do it. 866-34-TRUTH. And we will start with Herb in Charlotte, North Carolina. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Dr. Brown, thank you for taking my call. <clears throat> I was visiting a church, and I asked him about Christians' uh, involvement in Halloween. <clears throat> and then but the real problem was he said that the, Christ the wedding ceremony is a pagan holiday, is a pagan celebration. And I wondered, we didn't get to get into why, but I wondered what you say about. Yeah, oh, okay, so uh, wait, wait, wait. when you asked him about Halloween, he then talked about wedding ceremonies. Was that to justify participation in Halloween? No, no. It was a very short conversation, and he, he was saying we can't get really into the answer in a short while, but he did say the wedding ceremony is a pagan holiday or a pagan celebration. I, I would have absolutely yeah. no idea why anyone would ever say that. Jehovah's Witnesses argue that birthdays are pagan celebrations, that we should not celebrate birthdays, and the only time it's mentioned is Pharaoh's birthday and Herod's birthday, and they were worldly people. I mean, it's a ridiculous argument. But weddings, I mean, weddings are celebrated throughout Scripture, and, 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 and ultimately the church is likened to a, to a bride for Jesus, the bridegroom. You have, you know, Jesus yeah. attending a, a wedding in Cana of, 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 of Galilee in John, the second chapter. So, uh, you know, weddings are special. Psalm 45 is, is, a, is a wedding psalm. Uh, so I have no idea 
why he would say that based on, on what, not, not the slightest idea. So it, it's such a bizarre comment. You, unless he explained it more, I, I couldn't even comment beyond saying it's ridiculous. I know uh, he said he said it would be too involved for the time we had for him to explain. <laughs> yeah. Why. Well, yeah, I, I, I mean, look, if people do things in a pagan way, if they got married under a satanic altar, you know, and 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 people were stripping down and doing all kinds of bizarre things. Well, but what's that got to do with Christians getting married in the presence of the Lord? with a godly leader pronouncing them husband and wife with prayer for blessing over the wedding with, with holy vows exchanged of commitment one to another. And then with great celebration and joy, uh, that's, that's one of the most beautiful things to, to be part of is, is a, a godly wedding. So may, maybe he could explain what he was, maybe something was misunderstood, but otherwise utterly bizarre, utterly and completely bizarre. And for me, I wouldn't even pursue it. I'd just leave it. All right, thank you. Thank you for the question. 866-34-TRUTH. Let's go to Jade in Mount Juliet, Tennessee. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Hey, Dr. Brown. I sure appreciate you and your ministry, and I appreciate you taking my call today, sir. Thank you. Uh, My question is uh, in Matthew chapter 12 um, about the unpardonable sin. I'll be honest with you lately, like, I've had this deep fear in me, and it's it's honestly just been like, I can't even explain the feeling that I've had over this verse. And um, is it possible to believe in Jesus as Lord and want to live for Him and, and want to serve Him and believe in the Word of God, but um, like have haven't committed this sin in your past? Like, I've been searching my own life wondering, have I said something to this degree? Like, and I can't think back to anything, but... It's just, I've been losing sleep over this. And, yeah. I mean, uh, Jay, this is, to- this is, no, it is impossible. It is impossible for a true believer to blaspheme the Spirit. It is impossible for someone to do that. This is something where a line is crossed because of hardness of heart. Mark 3 explains it, that Jesus said it to the Pharisees. Matthew 12, Luke 11 are parallels, but Mark 3 gives the explanation that he said it to them because they were saying he has a demon. In other words, when Jesus in front of their eyes was healing the sick to the glory of his father, was driving demons out of people to the glory of his father, when the perfect son of God did this, and these men who knew better hardened their hearts to the point of saying, this is the devil at work. He's doing this by the power of Satan. They crossed the line of resisting the spirit that they could not come back from. And uh, there's not a hint that they would ever want to come back from it because they were given over to their sin. So for someone who's a believer to accidentally do it, it it's impossible. It doesn't work like that. It, it is such, and God is, God forgives every kind of sin. Every day, even if we don't know it, we need forgiveness from God. I'm talking about as believers. Every day of our lives as believers, we fall short one way or another, and the blood of Jesus, God's Son, is cleansing us from sin, and as we're conscious of sin, we turn to God and ask for forgiveness. What I'd encourage you to do is to go to Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 39, okay? Romans chapter 8, 
verses 28 to 39, and read those, get on your knees, read those verses out loud, pray over them. Who can bring any charge against God's elected? It's Jesus who justifies you and is even interceding for you. If God is for you, who can be against you? Who can separate you from the love of Christ? No one. So especially in your past, before you even knew the Lord, did you do what Paul did when, when, when he was not a believer? Did, have you actually put, uh, did you actually put other believers to death, chase them down in different cities, and have them put to death because they were following Jesus? And yet, he says God had mercy on him because he acted ignorantly and in unbelief. So, right. so whatever you did in the past— uh, you've asked forgiveness for, and much of it was done ignorantly in unbelief. And let's just say, let's say, for example, you were watching Christian TV one day, and somebody starts speaking in tongues, and you thought, that's not real. That's just gibberish. And let's say it was real. That's not the unpardonable sin. God's not going to damn you to hell over that. The blood of Jesus right. is is infinitely more powerful than that, and God understands that, that you were speaking based on your own knowledge or information or, or ignorance or, or, or the, the foolish behavior of the person, not, not being wise in what they did. So either yeah, sure. this is something that's just stuck in your brain uh, or it's a demonic attack, but it is an absolute lie to resist, to uproot. And what you have to do, sir, is refuse to go with what you're feeling when your feelings are condemning you. And determine instead to go with the word. And it, it, it's almost like no matter what I feel, I'm still going to go forward and I'm still going to believe and I'm still going to speak the truth. And at a certain point, it's like this spell will just break off of you. So don't give any place yes, to it. Sir. Don't examine your heart about this any further. Don't wonder. It's a lie from the pit of hell. And the very fact that you're concerned about it is the indication it's a lie. Because if you were given over and your heart was hard, this would be the last concern you'd have. You wouldn't be calling the station. You wouldn't be asking me a Bible question. You wouldn't even be thinking about God. He'd be the farthest thing from your mind. So, Thank, thank you so much, Dr. Brown. Let's uproot this thing here and now. Never go back in Jesus' name. And again, if the thoughts hit you, they're either demonic darts, and you hold up the shield of faith and say, I don't give place to those or it's just your own mind tormenting you. Again, Romans 8, 28 to 39. Read it over and over. Pray over it. Meditate on it. Speak it out loud. Memorize what you can. And that's truth. That's truth. Father, grace to Jade. May this break off of him. And others in the same situation may it break off of them today. In Jesus' name. Yeah, I, I hate when people go through this. It's so tormenting. And, and how do you fight what feels so real, but we got to fight it with the truth of the word. And that truth, Hebrews 4, 12 and 13, cuts right through to the heart, separates our human emotions and thoughts from, from the, the true voice of the spirit. All right, let's go over to Orlando in High Point, North Carolina. Welcome to the line of fire. Thank you for taking my call, Dr. Moran. You're welcome. I Yes, I had the same as uh, the first caller that talks about Halloween. Yeah. It, it's a, my question is, is it a sin of the parents to allow or to dress up the kids and allow them to do Halloween? Or, or is it when, when kids are older, 
or even older people get dressed up and celebrate the, this pagan holiday, um, who is is it a sin? That's the main thing. Is it a sin to allow this to happen, especially if you're a Christian? Yes, for me, it would be a sin. Say, if we had our grandkids over when they were little, uh, or our daughters when they were little, and said, "Okay, you're going to dress up like Dracula, and you're going to dress up like Frankenstein." And I'll go out with you, and I'll dress up like, uh, you know, some, some monster, a wolfman, or something like that. Yeah, the, it, it's it is, as it is now. You know, some say, well, originally it was a Christian holiday, it got co-opted, whatever. As it is now, it is a dark holiday. Satanists put special emphasis on that time of the year. All the movies that are played or that come out, you know, the horror flicks, the the gore, the violence, the the demonic stuff. So we've got no business participating in that just because the world does it. Now, if it's important to you that you don't want your kids to feel deprived, like we don't do this, we don't. So there are churches that will have what they call a harvest festival and say, let's get dressed up as biblical characters, or we're just going to have a fun night and we're going to have, you know, games and prizes and things. And that's fine. Or to use it as an outreach time. That's fine. I was part of one church, and we got dressed up as biblical characters. I, I came dressed up as a as a ultra orthodox rabbi, uh, you know, just for fun. You know, uh, we did those kinds of things, and that was our way of saying, "Hey, the devil's not going to have this day; we'll have it." But to participate in it as it is, for me, as a grandparent, parent, certainly would be sinful. Everyone has to work it out themselves before God, but certainly to me, it's it's partnering with darkness. It's partnering with demonic stuff. Wouldn't touch it. Thanks for the call. It's the line of fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks for joining us, friends, on the line of fire, 866-348-7884. You know, when I wrote the book Revival or We Die, I didn't write, write it with hyperbole. I didn't come up with some catchy title to, to try to sell the urgency of the hour. No, it, it's an urgent hour. I've been just going through the Bible now. Every so often, every few years, I'll, I'll do an intensive immersion and, and just go through the Bible in 90 days, just have an app that takes you through Scripture. You should read a certain number of chapters. It's, it's like 12 pages of the Bible a day. So in the car, I'll listen on, on, on audio, and then I'll, I'll read text later. So in addition to whatever other study I'm doing or getting into the text and a commentary or some writing, uh, I'll do that. So it just so happens that where I am now, just just read, even after Josiah's reforms, the last godly king of Judah, that uh, despite that, despite his godly reforms, uh, God would not forgive the sins of, Hezekiah, of, of Manasseh, excuse me, uh, the grandfather of Hezekiah. And, and Manasseh shed so much innocent blood that it's even described as, as up to the horse's bridles, you know, filling Jerusalem. So terrible bloodshed, sacrificing children in the fire and so on. And even though Josiah led a national reform, the, the sins were so great. And then Josiah's own sons and grandson continued in, in the sinful ways. But you just think of the blood of abortion. Just, just that is enough to damn America. 
It's enough to destroy the world. It's, it's so widespread. So, so we exist by mercy. So when I say these things, when I put out these passionate pleas, it's not, it's not hype. It's from the heart. The good news is I believe it's God who stirs our heart for revival. It's God who stirs our faith. It's God who prompts us to pray and cry out because he wants to move, but he works in conjunction with us. You see, even if he moved powerfully, if he poured out his spirit mightily, if there was that hunger, thirst, desire, readiness, it would, it would, it would be just like water falling on concrete. But when the, water, when the land is dry and parched and that water pours down, it's instantly absorbed. And that's what will happen. That's what will happen. All right, 866-34-TRUTH. Let's go to Kenneth in central Louisiana. Welcome to the line of fire. How are you, Dr. Brown? Doing well, thank you. Yes, I had come across one of your podcasts, and I had seen where you had said that none of the prophets had prophesied the pandemic. But I actually did prophesy the pandemic. That's where the entire movement began with my prophecy. Well, please, please tell me about written, it. I, I, I had written a book on it. I've actually sent you the book. It's a lot of material to digest, but uh, I emailed you a copy of my book that was tested by church leaders, and it's been published through Christian Faith Publishing. Yeah, so, so please please tell me what, what you felt the Lord showed you and, and the message that you got out uh, in advance. Well, he had uh, just showed me that there would be a pandemic that would, would be coming, a plague that would be coming, and in short, that the powers that be would use this to create this vaccine which would be implemented in all these events that have uh, to this point occurred. And, and when, when, did you, when did you get this word? Uh, this was before a single case was ever uh, seen outside of China. Right. So do, do you remember roughly when it was? I think it was, it was before I actually made the prophecy, but I, I made the prophecy public on January the 27th of 2020. Got it. Yeah, so that would have been before any, any major news about this. And, and are, are you a pastor or uh, have a traveling ministry, or how was the prophecy delivered? I'm just just deep, deeply religious man. I grew up uh, in the church and mm-hmm. uh, devout Christian. Uh, I do daily bread. I stay in the Word daily. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not sure why it was shown to me, but it, it just simply was. Mm-hmm. And and, and how basically how, this is where the entire movement came from was was through my prophecy. When you say that, I was able to biblic I was able to biblically link the coronavirus uh, to scripture. And and what scripture was that? Uh, it, all throughout the Revelations and also in Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians. So do you feel that this is like an end-time plague? Uh, it could be. It has the potential to be. Okay. But you didn't say that, you didn't announce that this is like a plague from the book of Revelation when, when you... Yes, yes. Yes, I did. I, you I did? I said it was, yes. Okay. So it's been, it's been ongoing. The problem was that I fell into obscurity when I made my prophecy because I didn't follow the same narrative as the Trump prophecy. Uh, it, and, and that's where yeah, that's, that's where they got it all wrong. And of course, I knew Trump wouldn't be reelected. Also, just just because I know scripture, 
Mm-hmm. And that was probably the easiest prophecy that I made was so, that Trump would not be reelected just based on how his prophets were prophesying on his return. Okay, okay ex- explain that. In, in other words, what was the principle? So, that- uh, uh, was it Jeremiah? You know, the, the God is against the prophets that use their tongue and say, saith the Lord, which is exactly what all the prophets were doing as they were prophesying of Trump's Trump return. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, God is against the prophets that steal prophecy from another. And they were all doing it, which was spinning the same narrative. Mm-hmm. They were all spinning the same narrative about Trump returning, uh, stealing prophecy from one another. So, I mean, it was that was probably the easiest prophecy that I did make. Mm-hmm. And, and when Trump when you return simply simply based on their own behaviors, his own prophets' behaviors. Got it. Got and, it. In my knowledge, in my knowledge of scripture. Got it. Yeah, I understand. Hey, hey, Kenneth, uh, there's a, a slight problem on the, on the connection. So you'll you'll hear me now, but I'm just kind of I don't know what the sound is that I'm getting uh, as we're speaking. But uh, we get a lot of stuff sent to us, so I don't I don't see much of it. You could just imagine that stuff comes in on a daily basis. Could we look at this? Could we review this, et cetera? So I'm just going to have our team. I'm assuming you use the the uh, first name Kenneth. When, I'm not asking for your last name now, but you used the name Kenneth yeah, when you it emailed up. us. It's actually it's titled uh, "The Mark of the Beast is Already in Your Hand." Your eyes see it without seeing it, and it's published through Christian Faith Publishing. Okay. Well, Kenneth, I will ask our team to take a look for it. I appreciate you calling in and sharing that. Now, look, I, I do know uh, here and there I've heard from leaders who, who had some dire prophecies about a plague coming that was going to kill many Americans. Uh, one respected pastor in the Midwest, uh, and, and he, uh, I spoke with him at length. He gave me his whole story. It seemed there were a bunch of prominent prophetic voices that missed the pandemic and then wrongly prophesied that it would it would end uh, or dissipate by April of 2020. Crazily enough, I say crazily enough, just looking back in history. But do I expect that God would have revealed things to others that would make perfect sense? And we could look at the theology and differences and interpretation of scripture. That's a separate issue. But Kenneth, thank you for calling in and we will take a look for that. Thanks so much. Uh, that's, uh, whoops, I just dropped the wrong call. Okay. Sorry. Well, I, I didn't have time for that. The call that was coming in anyway. Apologies if I just accidentally dropped your call when someone was trying to speak with you. My apologies. I'm not going to make any comment theologically, any of that. Just you hear that report the same as I just did. All right, um, Julie in Charlotte, North Carolina. Time is short, but maybe I can give you a quick answer. Go ahead. Hey, uh, Dr. Brown. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'll be quick. Um, spiritual warfare, I'm, I'm a strong believer. I love the Lord. I love the Word. Um, but I have a family member that I'm just concerned about um, that is under spiritual attack. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Love Derek Prince, and I'm just curious of what your opinion is on deliverance ministry and, 
you know, just what your thoughts are on that. Right. So it's, it's a big subject and obviously mm-hmm. with many different possible applications. But I would say this. Number one, if there's someone that I know that is under real demonic attack, it's clear they're under intense spiritual attack for any number mm-hmm. of reasons, be it physical, be it circumstantial, be it uh, spiritual, that's clear. So first I'm praying for them. I'm praying for God to help them minister to Thank them, you. right? Mm-hmm. We start there. But then I, I may be burdened to, to do spiritual warfare on their behalf. In other words, I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to fast. And I am going to pray for God's authority to, to break powers of darkness in their lives, in, in that person's life, in Jesus' name. That, that we get to that place of being in harmony with God where we can use his authority to break demonic power. That can happen. Then there is ministering directly to the person, which is obviously ideal. Many times we can't do that. And if it seems clear that there is a stronghold in their life that just will not go away and they're crying out for help and they, wanna, they want help, and it seems they can't change and they're believers, that's when you say, okay, there could be some demonic stronghold we have to break. Or there could be some demonic power that's infiltrated your life some way that we have to drive out. And that's where the ministry of deliverance comes in. Certainly, in the days in which we live, New Testament times right up until today, we should be driving out demons. We just have to make sure it's a real demonic situation and not just something emotional or circumstantial that we are mistaking for that. But yes, spiritual warfare is real and deliverance is real. God bless. Thanks for the calls. We'll be back with you for Thoroughly Jewish Thursday tomorrow. Another program powered by the Truth Network.